Bienvenidos! My name is Jay Daye, and I am one of two hosts on this podcast. Homo in Training is a bite-sized entertainment podcast that focuses on introspective conversation with two queer Latinx millennials. Our variety show podcast is an eclectic and frenetic mix of various topics revolving around the three moments called Thoughtful Moment, Music Moment, Spotify Only, a little science moment, and a weekly TV show recap of Avatar The Last Airbender. And you're lucky to be here for some thought shit. And Leslie is usually in this intro, but since this is an interview, we always forget to do the intros together. So right now, since you can tell by my voice, I'm a little congested. Not because of Rona, it's because of these fucking allergies. Because it's the last day of summer, my body likes to kick my ass and likes to remind me that I'm about to go into a few months of fucking seasonal depression. So (laughs) raise your hand if you're going to go through seasonal depression too. But anyway, so we have an amazing interview coming up and I hope you guys really like it because I love it. So today we have a very special guest that I'm very excited to talk to that I've been like literally honestly dreaming about talking to. I would like to introduce someone who I came across on Lay TikTok because if you're a listener, y'all know I'm addicted to the TikTok. <laughs> I broke my back trying to follow a TikTok. <laughs> we don't need to go over it again, but y'all, y'all were there. Mm. <laughs> but um I really like the app because I've honestly taken so much time to curate my For You page to make it exactly what I want it to be, to where I don't see stuff that's like not within my vibe. And one of those amazing content creators that honestly changed my life. Like I, I will get into it, but like, I'm not like talking up your butt. Like I'm serious. Like the things that you've said have helped change the way I look at things. So I'm very grateful that you're here and we're going to have this combo because your TikToks have honestly really helped me. And I've shared that with Leslie too. And she also really likes it too. And, um, but she has been making videos documenting her journey of decolonization and connecting to her indigenous roots. And um, her TikToks are talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-stopping, spectacular, never the same, totally unique, <laughs> completely never done before. Any Lady Gaga fans out there? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And our guest today is Neuron Nerd. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. I was actually really surprised that you reached out. I was not expecting anything like that at all to happen. Um, so thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the hype up. <laughs> no, and I want you to like actually take that as like me honestly saying it for real, not saying it because like I'm trying to kiss your ass. Like, honestly, yeah. like I think you've been doing a lot of good work. And TikTok is a very toxic place sometimes that Mm. it's so brave of you to be having these nuanced conversations in a platform where people don't want to understand nuance. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I honestly just started out in between therapy sessions, Mm -hmm. like when the pandemic hit and stuff, I was like, you know what? I need to vent and stuff. I know we're kind of going out of order, so I don't know what order you want. But yeah, I totally agree. It can be difficult to have those conversations or post videos because you don't know how people are going to react. And um, I think initially I got a few hate comments Mm-hmm. Um, Who are they? Give us their a, names. Give us their app right now. I'm sure if I go through my block list, I'll find them. <laughs> That's like one thing I definitely learned is that there's no shame in blocking and deleting people. For sure. I, you just waste too much energy that can be directed somewhere else by trying to address every hate comment. And I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I am losing sleep. I'm pretty sure somebody, these collectively, like gave me a new gray hair. So I'm just going to put it on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who aren't on TikTok, <laughs> Leslie, um, <laughs> uh, do you want to explain to the children the type of content that you make? So I honestly label it as other. Um, it'd be great to get some opinions of what people consider it to be, but mm-hmm. I label it as other because I feel like I talk a little bit about everything. I talk about indigenous issues in the North, in the South, decolonizing women's issues, um, LGBTQ to spirit plus mental health, my therapy research mm-hmm. I've done, immigration, um, trigger warning, rape mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. and then a few other things. So I don't feel like I stick to one specific topic. I kind of just do whatever is really prominent in my life at the time. Now, I you touched on it just a bit ago because you said, you know, between therapy sessions, it's kind of when you started releasing some of this content. Was there anything specifically that inspired you to want to talk about an area of these topics? Just because how Jay mentioned, you know, people online in general are just mean um, and can just be straight up dumb. But was there anything that really inspired you to do so? Yeah, I mean, I fit into all of these categories in some way or another, and I've never really felt represented in any of them. You know, I would meet people and we would talk about how our struggles are alike, but we would never be able to pinpoint somebody who was a role model in all of these areas that we could look up to, that we can actually communicate with. Mm -hmm. And I just never really had anybody to regularly talk about it with or to take action on these issues with. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put this out on the internet. And yeah, it just initially started as a coping mechanism. And I figured if some of the information I've gotten has helped me, there's bound to be somebody else out there who it might help. So I have a controversial question. Like, how is putting your thoughts in a public platform, like, helpful? Like, I feel like that would just make me spiral out of control. Like, what made you, like, brave enough? Because I've been talking about making a TikTok Oh my God, for like literally months now. And I still haven't mostly because of like all of my insecurities, but like, I feel like what you talk about is very like political and it's hard to get people to like, see where you're coming from when they have such a stuck point of view. So I'm curious of how you found like the courage to want to talk about these things. And and I like look up to that confidence of like, this is my truth, regardless of what you guys say. Yeah. So I have always had a lot of opinions internally. Mm -hmm. And um, the older I got, the more I was like, you know what, these internal opinions are just staying in my head. And I don't know if saying something about it is going to actually do something. But I just got kind of tired of being silent about certain issues, Mm -hmm. especially when I have been personally affected by a lot of these issues. So living Mm -hmm. in Texas, you meet a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of racist people everywhere. You just encounter it so much here that I got tired of being silent about it. So I would actually vocalize, well, actually my family's from Mexico. Well, actually I've experienced this. So that's kind of how it started. And there's so many people who are going to try to make you change your mind about how you view yourself, about how confident you are in your truth. But I just know that I've been living these certain things that I talk about for so long that I'm confident in these things. And I'm okay with saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know we live in a world where like people are like, well, you need to know the answer. Well, what's mm-hmm. the answer? And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be an expert on everything. And that's a very colonial mindset where if you don't know something and you're wrong, then like you're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And I just have really taken that stress off of myself. I've noticed a lot of people here in Texas have kind of become complacent in terms of not speaking up for a lot of valid reasons in some situations. Mm-hmm. And I just got tired of being silent. So I was just like, you know what? If nobody's going to do this, I'm going to say something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you for doing that because like I said, it's helped me a lot like through my experience and inspired a new topic 
for the podcast that we're going to be talking about decolonization. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many of the listeners have heard of the word decolonizing because I literally look up decolonize and it's like removing yourself from the colonies, which is like, okay, well, that's not, mm-hmm. it's not really what I'm looking for. But what I found was that decolonization is about cultural, psychological, and economical freedom for indigenous people with the goal of achieving indigenous sovereignty, the right and ability of indigenous people to practice self-determination over their land, cultures, and political and economic systems. And you were saying about how it's a very uh, colonial idea to like, have to know things already i think people forget how much of our life is colonized like how much of every aspect that we do is colonized whether it comes to farming and for my faithful listeners out there i had a george washington carver episode where you know he kind of talked about decolonizing farming techniques because they were killing the land that he came to save and then also medicine right i mean we all know that the healthcare system is literally not made for us Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. even when it comes like mental health and therapy like Mm -hmm. we do say as latinos like we need to get therapy but like if that's not set up for them then they're set up to fail Mm -hmm. and even like our way of living like you know like how we said this in another podcast but like how like white people get married and like move away from their families and stuff like it's like a a colonized idea to like have this family then separate and then like start all over again where you know in latino culture it's all about you stick with your family, you add on to the house, you make the garage into a bedroom and we mm-hmm. keep going, you know? Yeah, I think you hit the high point, you know, medicine, food, government, institutions, organizations, just all of those things. Decolonizing is making sure that we are creating a space and support for Indigenous people to reclaim everything that was taken from them. So now that we got all the intros out of the way, Mm -hmm. we've introduced our amazing guest and our topic. Let's talk about our journey to decolonization. Do you want to get into that? Let's do it. Can I add one quick thing? I'm so sorry. No, you're okay. Okay. Uh, And then um, don't feel bad about interrupting us. Um, Be yourself. Do whatever you do because we're chaotic and we we (laughs) will keep talking unless someone talks over us. So please feel free to interject at any point don't feel like it hello like no be like bitch shut the fuck up (laughs) i'm i'm down with that okay Okay. cool that's this is a this is a queer space i forgot about this yeah (laughs) yeah um because you i just forget you know a lot of cishet people who are not queer it's if you say like bitch or something they're gonna be like oh my gosh like what is this energy yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um what i was gonna mention too is mentality so i know we Mm -hmm. said government institution organizations economic freedom cultural freedom um, but i think also psychological freedom Mm -hmm. because a lot of our mentality is colonized and mm-hmm. that was it. Oh, it's all about the psychology. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's jump into the next topic. All right. So, Jay, since you love talking a lot, tell <laughs> us a little bit about what your journey has been thus far connecting with your indigenous roots and I guess ancestor veneration. Well, it was first sparked actually by a festival in Santa Ana. Um, in California called Decolonizing Mental Health, uh, where I learned about like the ways Indigenous people celebrated together and their different ways of healing before the colonizers came. Mm-hmm. And they were talking a lot about how like the healthcare system is like specifically made to like kill Indigenous people. Like, for example, they really talked about the high suicide rate between mm-hmm. Indigenous youth 
And one of the statistics that I got was um, the, the First Nations people, which are indigenous communities from Canada, the statistics are that young men between 15 and 24 about 126 out of 100,000 commit suicide Mm -hmm. compared to non-Indigenous male youth who are only 24. So I don't know the math on 24 to 126, but it's more than double. Mm -hmm. It's like three times as much more. And then when uh, with First Nation females, uh, the suicide rate is 35 per 100 compared to five per 100,000 non-Indigenous people. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. That is crazy. I'm sure it's even higher for of like course. Um, people who are like transitioning or um, intersex. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. And it's, it's like, yeah. it's such a sad thing to hear, you know, people talk about that, you know, about how their family has been destroyed by that and how it's just so prevalent in their community, you know, and they just really talked about like how this colonized system really fucked up their lives and is continuing to fuck us up and how about how about people go like oh well native people don't have to pay taxes or they don't have to pay for school like they they have it they have it good where it's just like first of all who told you that (laughs) who told you any of that shit like what are you talking about lies liza minnelli lies liza minnelli lies and really opened my eyes to like how we've as americans have been brainwashed to think that native people have it better than we do right because I even saw like a documentary about how like, you know, how Native people got reservation. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. That's changed. Like mm-hmm. the land that they were given before everything happened has drastically lowered because they don't give them any options to opt out of it. They're either like we build on this to help your community or literally we take it from you. So like a lot of these people have literally been forced into these lands that are so small and don't have like any nutrients in the soil or anything. Like Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's literally land that nobody wanted Mm -hmm. that they just pushed all of these people into these reservations. And they just opened my eyes to, to that, you know, as I like took a big game, but I am dealing with colonized shit all the time. And I wish I would have known about this before. Yeah. Google is free, but I feel like, this festival really helped me understand that like I can break down these things in steps and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be overwhelming for you because uh, there I met a shaman who helped me through my healing journey. I'm over here going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it was literally the best thing ever. Like I was going to therapy and like, it was great, but like the therapist would like drop these balls, balls. <laughs> I wish, but they would drop these bombs on me that I'd be like, okay, cool. So I have these dependent issues because my mom didn't love me as a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what bitch, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, so it's just this big revelation and then, all right, go home. Like, what was that? And yeah. the shaman really gave me tips to like heal that child. Like, okay, now that you know this, these are steps that you can work through it. Like, I feel like with therapists, they're always like, here are these big revelations, now work through it. But how am I supposed to work through it when I don't even know where to start? And she really mm-hmm. helped me change the way that I, I think of things. And I'm just like, if it's this powerful with um with this lady who studied in Peru, and uh, she's not white, you know, she's also a Latina, but um, she studied in Peru because she's Peruvian. And I was like, if I can get this from a culture that is technically not mine, imagine how much I benefit by connecting to old practices that are mine and feel closer to my soul. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's my journey. Um, I don't know if you have anything you want to, uh, do any of you want to comment on what I just said? Well, my life. Um, <laughs> no, I do remember you telling me about <laughs> this 
festival that you had gone to? Because I, I do think that you were kind of searching for something prior to that. Um, you know, like I kind of took a spiritual path mm-hmm. and not to say that you didn't, but I think you were like kind of itching for something more. And I remember you telling me about this festival. I remember you telling me about the, sh- uh, the, the, sh- the shaman. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's so cool. Cause you know, they always talk about the inner child. They always talk like, if you want to get anywhere, bitch, you like start with your child. fucking inner child. That's true. And so, um, I remember you talking about it and I did think that it was cool. And then just seeing you kind of level up on it slowly by slowly, like your altar, then you have Dia de los Muertos and you kind of researching, you know, um, the pyramids, the food, um, even like the composting that you were doing, there was like everything all just kind of started in like interwining for you. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be a part in a way of your journey as an observer. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Nora? I feel like... I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Like, you know, wanting to just have that. Um, I, it's hard to even explain. But yeah, like mm-hmm. you were saying, like, they're not even from your culture, but you connect with this so much. Like, imagine your own culture. I can totally relate to that. I had a similar experience recently. But I think that's beautiful. And I'm so happy for you. And a lot of the things that were just said, I feel like I can relate to. Because when I started going on my journey, I started composting. <laughs> I started, <laughs> it all starts with the composting. The compost. It all starts with the compost. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And like, so many things clicked for me because mm-hmm. my grandparent, well, RIP to my grandma. Hope you're doing okay. Um, but like, yeah, whenever I would go visit them, they would always compost and I never knew why. I never understood until like I got older and I was just like, oh my God. I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, I just realized that composting is what grandma and grandpa have been doing this whole time. She was like, yeah, duh. And I'm like, <laughs> well, nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like funny that you bring that up. What was your journey? Like it started with composting or what even made you do that switch of like even composting because mm-hmm. let me tell you i live in a house full of do i've literally okay i'm not gonna air out our dirty laundry on this Please. episode <laughs> i have a guest but my roommates don't compost very well okay speak for <laughs> speak for one third of your roommate i do fucking <laughs> compost bitch don't <laughs> come at She's me like, where are the receipts yeah seriously like i've been throwing these avocado like avocado oh yeah shit. Okay. honestly That's- the amount of avocado seeds that i've had that germinated <laughs> it i literally have so many so many but anyway no i'd love You're to speaking, hear your uh, target audience reached i have avocados <laughs> like yeah and that started with indigenous people I know mm-hmm. avocado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually never. my favorite. Um, I can eat so many of them since I was a kid. My grandma had an avocado tree. Wow. And so every time I would visit them in Mexico, wow. I would go home with a box of avocados. A blessing. I'm going to say yeah. something controversial. Mm-hmm. What? What? I don't like the way avocados taste. Get out. Yeah, I've told him that. I was like, not even with like salt. Well, yeah, with like salt. With like salt. But like if you were like to put it on top of a sandwich. Yeah. I wouldn't know a thing. It just doesn't taste like anything. You don't taste like anything. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Oh, oh my God. Someone's feisty. <laughs> and yeah, that's my hot take. <laughs> We're diverse. <laughs> but um, I'd love to hear your journey, Naran, about how you got into decolonizing. Yeah. Um, so not to sound cheesy, but I do want to say that it started as a kid and I just didn't realize it until like my late to mid twenties. Um, just as a kid, you know, I was very dark and I would get made fun of or picked on by a lot of, uh, not only family members, but like people at school and stuff like that. People just always felt the need to comment on the color of my skin. And I was always really confused, just like, I'm not even that dark. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of confused about it. And I kind of 
I think that's where my introspection kind of started. I was like, well, if I don't like being treated this way about my skin, I probably should not treat other people this way, like specifically the black community. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of how that started. Mm-hmm. And then I also would tell myself a lot of affirmations, which I don't think in the Latino, Hispanic, or like in general, most communities is something we're taught, like give yourself affirmations. We're kind of taught to like look for validation outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, since I was picked on about my skin, I would always like give myself affirmations and uh, like just be my biggest support system. And so those experiences kind of cause just like sadness and stuff. And I was like, I never want other people to feel this way. So it kind of just made me push to be more inclusive. And that's kind of where it started because there's a lot of anti-Blackness and I always have more to learn, but that's kind of where it started. And what kicked off the composting stuff? Because that's a big step. Like you're talking about like now caring for a living organism, which a compost is a living organism. I know. Yeah. It's hard to take care of. Like I've ruined my compost a few times. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I felt the girl I felt and the I, felt it. Um, I think it just really kick-started to like right at the pandemic where I was like mm. you know what I don't really want to interact with people at all and you be as self-sufficient as possible I just was really getting more involved in like having plants like I always had plants but I was getting mm. more involved in like um, edible plants so mm. just like you know fruits veggies stuff like that mm-hmm. and I was like while I'm at it I should probably like learn how to because you know like eggs and like certain plants mm-hmm. if you grind them up it provides nutrients mm-hmm. so I just got really interested in that and that's kind of how that kicked off that is so cool I wish that journey for everybody but yeah I also had so many so many problems with my compost that like I mean I don't suggest this for everybody but since you're a little bit more expert um I use uh, a vermicompost. So I use earthworms. Um, I've heard of that yeah it's a lot easier because they just do all the work for you like mm-hmm. it, 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 like in the amount of time it takes for something to break down in a compost, like maybe two months or three months, I think with the worms, it'll be like three days. Oh, so wow, that's a lot yeah, quicker. no, like worms are literally the most voracious, like <laughs> eating. No, you know, they're actually really bad for the environment. <laughs> like they've like decimated, um, um, forests because the forest relies a lot on the dead leaves and stuff that falls to and the ground and they eat them. <gasps> So it doesn't give the trees enough time to compost. It doesn't allow for these funguses to grow. So other animals have time to eat them. So the worms eat it all. And then in the winter, since they don't have that layer of of dead stuff to keep the ground warm, Mm -hmm. the trees die during the winter. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like, I didn't even know that either. Because I was... Oh, bitch, double, double homicide. homicide. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, literally, Leslie is obsessed with Jolson's Cabaret. I don't know. Have you ever seen it? Have you seen no. It? It's a mess, girl. Do not don't watch, watch it. it. Don't please. watch it. <laughs> but if you want the login to see it, we got it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, Leslie, uh, oh wait, sorry, you guys say something? I was thinking out loud, just like you were mentioning how the worms are destroying the forest. I wonder mm-hmm. if they're like an invasive species. They are. Okay. That makes more sense. Got yeah. it. Because they weren't native to the places mm-hmm. that they're um, taken now. So, um, okay. yeah. But anyway, you, Miss Lady, mm-hmm. Miss Lady Finger over here. Yes. Um, what, who are you? Are <laughs> hey. you, are you happy with your colonized life? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Miss White passing. Um, Espanola. Tell us. Oh, Tell listen. Us. Spanish. I am not. He loves saying that. And I'm fucking not. I'm 100% Mexicana. Uh, don't hit me. Uh, um, <laughs> listen, so I've taken a very different approach. And I'm going to be very honest. And for me, 
not that decolonizing my life isn't a priority. I think that I will get there. I do acknowledge it. Like I acknowledge it full through and through a hundred percent. And I also know that I very much benefit from the system in place and all the systemic stuff around us. And I also benefit because I am very white passing and it may seem like it's not a problem for me. Mm -hmm. And so there is kind of like that shame that kind of comes along with it because Mm -hmm. I do feel like, okay, I'm I'm aware, I'm aware that because of the way that I look Mm -hmm. and because of a very privileged life that I've had, that it is easy for me to not make it a priority. Right. So I've taken more of like the spiritual path, but I am attuned to the fact that there's more work that needs to be done on my end. Uh Okay. Uh And I am very connected to my ancestors (laughs) because before Cortez, you have to stop, <laughs> bitch. Also, you're like you're from fucking Chihuahua. Like, don't forget, don't forget, so oh don't Anyways, and so for me, seeing you go through your journey and also kind of doing some of my own reading, I never really felt a connection to my ancestors. For me, it was just like the lineage that my mom and my family had, and como que like it stopped right there for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like my mind didn't expand, but I very much do feel a connection to like the indigenous roots, especially when I go to Mexico. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, like this was built Mm -hmm. and people came out here and fucked it up. I completely fucked it up. And because I took studies when I was studying, I, it was brought more to my knowledge of like, the practice of los indígenas and the gods and really the food and um, how very much it was viewed very differently until, right, that like conquistadors came and did their whole fucking mess. So for me, it's just kind of been a different approach. And for me, I'm just like at the acknowledging phase and knowing that I do very much benefit and I am part of the problem. Uh-huh. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So you mentioned that you're in the acknowledgement phase. Yes. What do you think it would take for you to get to the action phase? Tell us quickly. <laughs> you know, it's such a good question. I oh my god, Neuron, you be. I don't girl. know. I don't. I, I don't know what's stopping me. Like really, what is stopping me? What you know, me? and I think it's because you're happy where you are. Oh, I don't think it's because I'm happy where I'm at. I think you can feel like you could speak for me, but you can't. Um, I don't know what it is. I wish I had a definite answer for you. I guess I may be more working like on my inner work first that maybe I feel like um, I need to be like good with myself, like be kind, right? And be like on a Mm -hmm. path of like, okay, I'm, I'm being a good person. Like I'm being a good person. There's stability for, for me. And it's a very actually selfish perspective, which I do realize as well. I'm really kind of blinded. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else there's, to say. Yeah. There's um this quote, let me see if I can remember it. It's like, it's not selfish. It's self-preservation. Cause a lot of mm. people will tell you like, Oh, you're being so selfish. And you're like, am I, or do I just really need to go to sleep tonight instead of go out? Like Mm. just things like that. And um, I think that's important to be in a stable place because decolonizing is really hard. Right. And I think if I would have been doing what I'm doing now before I got stable, I don't think Mm. I would have been okay. Mm. Um, 
So I think that's important that you're getting like to a better place, stable place. And like everybody's different. And I've kind of gotten to a point where I've been able to kind of combine them. Like I'm going to go to therapy and work on like grounding techniques and also Mm. keep in mind like some things that I've learned about decolonization and my ancestors while I'm doing these grounding techniques. So like I found kind of a way to combine them, but I, I totally respect what you're saying that like, yeah, it's important to get like stable and okay with yourself first before you get into this type of stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, I do see like all the, all the work that he puts and we do have conversations and it, it can be very draining and yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it really. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think for me, it's just kind of getting to a good place and I'm very also aware that, you know, um, I'm not like, um, foreign to using like different tools. Cause I know you mentioned therapy and I think it's so great that you, you kind of talk about that and say like, you know, I'm in therapy now I'm learning like the grounding techniques to kind of continue to combine this kind of like crucial work that I'm doing. And so I know some people will sometimes be like, well, you know, I got to really kind of just hit the academics before I really hit like the actions, right. Of like taking an inventory of like, my dress wear, taking inventory of the products that I'm using, taking Mm -hmm. inventory of like conversations that I'm having. And so I always think that it's great that people are open to using all kinds of tools. And for me, like it is kind of leaning a very like a spiritual pathway right now with a combination of like therapy as well. And also just being very open to having these conversations and knowing that it is somewhere that I do want to get and that I'll, I'll get there once when the time is right for <laughs> and when it opens like the portal opens oh my god i want to backtrack because like you mentioned this didn't come to me until i heard you talking like mm-hmm. you having this conversation is an act of decolonization so i remember i asked you like what what would it take for you to do like take action mm-hmm. but this is taking action mm-hmm. so i want to take back what i said I hadn't thought about that until you were thinking. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always, I mean, uh, Jay was showing me all your videos and I, she's really dropping like some knowledge and Mm -hmm. you know, when you get like knowledge overload that you have to like, take like a space. I was like, (laughs) oh my God. Like, uh, I just worked like a full time, like a full (laughs) shift. I went, just worked out. And now I'm just like, fuck, (laughs) you mean to tell me that I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Mm -hmm. And also like very much knowing like, yeah, that I always come from a privileged position, me, myself. And so kind of dealing with that as well. Yeah. I think that's a good topic to like, not to go too off topic, but I think that's so important that like you mentioned, like you have your privilege and I don't know if people, I've encountered so many people of different backgrounds who are not comfortable acknowledging their privilege. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to be like, no matter what background you come from, Every single person has privilege. Maybe you grew up with both parents. Maybe oh, you absolutely. had a stove, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I think it, it looks very different for everybody. And throughout our whole podcast, we try to be very cognizant of that. And I, I try to, because mm-hmm. I also know like, man, you know, to even be able to have these conversations and to be able to bring people on or even to have like a supportive friend like Jay that I get to see him go on this journey allows me maybe to uh, step into that space myself um, and recognize that not everyone has a safe space, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and not everyone has, has a space at all. So can, even if there's right, like they're, they're itching to, to start that journey, maybe aren't able to. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's also something that I bring into and knowing like, you know, like Leslie, like you kind of have, kind of have all the resources mm-hmm. and, and being like, all right, bitch, like grow up. Yeah, bitch, <laughs> grow the fuck up. <laughs> I literally told somebody the other day on Tinder, 
regret downloading Ooh. it. But the other day on Tinder, Girl. I had messaged somebody and they were asked me a question. And I was like, basically, I told myself, don't just talk about it. Be about it, bitch. And he was like, that's my new motto. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I love yeah. that. So I, well, I have a question for you, Leslie. Uh, so are you, uh, well, can I ask you a question? Go for it. I mean, you're asking already. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I've been kind of going through like an identity crisis that mm-hmm. I will definitely jump into. But have you like never, do you think like your decolonizing journey has is, is been like more lax because you find so much connection in Mexican culture? Yeah, because I have never shied away from it. Like mm-hmm. anytime I can go to Mexico, bitch, I will. Anytime I'm, you can wear green, white, and red, you will do it. That I can talk Spanish, I will. Any, <laughs> and, and then acknowledging, okay, bitch. So Hola. then we have then we have the Spanish aspect, right? Oh, bitch. But I I I maybe yeah, because my my parents like raised us very Mexican. And so sometimes I ask myself, well, I'm really connected to my culture of what has been shown to me and what was instilled in me. And also just knowing like the back work behind that, right. Mm -hmm. The like culture of my parents, the lineage and, and then just being able to kind of break that down Mm -hmm. and knowing that within, within all of that, there's like boxes between boxes, between boxes and stuff. So maybe, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. I wanted to point out that, like, I don't know if people realize this, but a lot of like Mexican culture, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, a lot of it was not actually colonized. So like whenever the colonizers came over, it was very different between like south of the U.S. border and north of the U.S. border. So north Mm -hmm. of the U.S. border, they tried to get rid of everything. They tried Mm -hmm. to like make sure nothing was left over versus Mm -hmm. south of the border. They were like, we don't care what you do. You just got to be Catholic and speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of us kept our culture. Which then you have like, uh, La Virgen de Guadalupe real quick and that's how that happens yep. she loves my mom, her Virgen oh my de Guadalupe God. Yeah, so my mom went to Mexico and she got me a Virgen de Guadalupe thing and Jay's making fun of it oh, my God. mom got it for me so just because I don't believe in the domain I that's can't true. And she's cute. support my mom she has a nice fit um, <laughs> as a kid's age drip um, <laughs> um, no and I think like mine stemmed from like not feeling connected enough mm-hmm. like not like literally like our experiences like i mean if anyone's curious listen to our juan gabriel music that. episode we talk about it but i felt like i was very detached from mexican culture because mm-hmm. when my parents came here they were like not attentive obviously because mm-hmm. i mean well my parents were and they weren't about yeah. like they weren't about telling me tales of the rancho Mm-hmm. they weren't about that life and like oh, i'm so embarrassed to say this but when i was younger since i was like <laughs> stop don't laugh <laughs> i was a little kid i um I, oh my god i hate this i used to say i'm not mexican i'm from england <laughs> stop <laughs> don't laugh at me <laughs> i'm triggered <laughs> and like that's really? like what oh no i was gonna say you're like podcast over yeah, <laughs> yeah cut. i shared too much i'm gonna cut that out no but that, that was like kind of how my parents that's how my family treated me they were like didn't really feel the need to share anything about their life with me or their customs with me they were just kind of like live your american life like go do what you have to do like they weren't about like teaching me these these old like icons in mexico like they didn't care mm-hmm. like they had the radio on so the only like close relationship i have to mexican culture is selena mm-hmm. and she's american Tejana. <laughs> yeah. Tejana. Yeah. and i have always felt like this sort of imposter syndrome and like i think also 
because I'm like lighter complected and like I look Asian, I have always felt like not included in anywhere. Like I didn't feel mm-hmm. included with Mexicans. I didn't feel included with white people. I didn't feel included with um, Asians. I just felt like I was just like on my own all the time while everybody had some big connection to like, like uh, Leslie and my roommate always bond over these like fucking Mexican traditions that I wish I knew what they're talking about. And I just feel so left out. And yeah, you make me feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you make me feel. <laughs> I know. But um, as a Mexican, um, I always knew, right, that, you know, the Mexica people um, or as Anglo-Saxons uh, called them, the Aztecs, you know, we all know that the area of Mexico City, that was like where they started and all of that stuff. And how like the flag is, you know, a symbol of, of their people. And so I kind of connected my roots um, and leaned heavily on those type of like, that culture. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like listening to this guy on, on, on YouTube. And like, he had like a, his title was like, just because you're Mexican doesn't mean you're Aztec. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then he just went into this whole thing about like how, like, well, it, well, they weren't the only culture around, which obviously duh now thinking like, obviously they weren't the only tribe there, but it like kind of like sent me back to, from zero. I thought I was finding my connections with fucking, you know, the Toltec, the fucking, you know, that whole entire lineage of the Nahuatl speaking people. I thought I was like in it. And then I have this person kind of say like, well, you're not like, that's a very small percentage of people. Like you were probably mm-hmm. something else and you shouldn't be clinging to this culture just because you're trying to connect with your indigenous side. So then I literally felt even more like, like fucking like, put back you know I felt like I was finding mm-hmm. my groove and then it was completely taken from me and then I heard Black is King by Beyonce <laughs> it's always bring him it's always to back to Beyonce we have this running joke that we always bring up Beyonce in our podcast and it's because we do but it's because she's so <laughs> iconic but she kind of she talked about like her own journey with decolonizing and how you know she's african-american so her lineage was also erased and she's like trying to connect back to her her roots and i know that jay-z has roots to rwanda but i don't know if beyonce specifically has like a lineage back to rwanda um i like really connected with you know someone from a different culture trying to also make sense of what is going on in their life and and really quick, not to tangent, but there was this girl on Tumblr. Um, Neuron, I don't know if you have Tumblr or you know what it is, but it's a very toxic website. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's, it's, I have not been on hmm. since I was like 15. <laughs> it's for the best. It's for the best. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Nothing has changed. So the same same 15-year-old still posting the same thing, girl. Now those 15-year-olds are 30. So <laughs> it's, me. <laughs> it's me. And one of the girls, she's like um, Afro-Indigenous from Argentina. She was like all about decolonization. And I remember somebody in her comments was like, I don't know what my Indigenous culture is or anything about my heritage. How can I connect to uh, my people's spiritual belief. And she was like, you can't. She's like, if you're disconnected, that means that you're not part of it anymore. So there is no reconnecting. You're either connected from the beginning or you're not. Mm. I literally started crying because I was like, I liked her. I followed her. I saved a lot of her spiritual baths. Like I was like very much into her. And for her to say that, I was just like, 
but I guess there's really no hope for me. There's really nothing that I can do. And like, it's like been such a hard journey for me to like connect. Cause I feel like a fucking imposter and like literally listening to you neuron, you kind of like helped me get out of that because all of these things combined, like it made me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like a white person trying to steal a culture. That's literally what I feel like a white person trying to cling to that 50% fucking indigenous. You know what I mean? Like, and you really helped it to be like, like, no, like, it's not like that. And I respect that girl's like opinion because that's her opinion and she's indigenous. So I'm not going to tell her what to think, but I've been happy to hear other people in my position that aren't connected, connecting back because it's giving me hope that like, I can still figure things out without being a hundred percent like oh my parents are this tribe you know what I mean yeah for sure and like I wanted to mention uh something real quick I know we talked about Aztec and it being Mexica so like Aztec is Mexica Nahua Nahua Mexica or Triple Alliance um there's like another nation but I forget their name but I just wanted to clarify that because I don't know if like listeners are going to be like oh Aztec is Mexica cool yeah but the imposter syndrome thing so yeah like I totally felt that way when I first started I remember like crying in therapy a lot too. Just like, I want to connect so bad and mm-hmm. I don't know how. And she was like, take a DNA test. And I was like, you colonized bitch. Like, you don't know what this means. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but going to events and getting more involved and like having people who grew up in their culture assure me like, no, you can do this. It's possible. Mm-hmm. And like having people who also did not grow up with their culture, but reconnected and they've been a part of their culture for like years and years and years also affirming me like, you can do this. It's possible. You're valid. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not, you know, because detribalization affect everybody south of the border. Well, a lot of people overall, but specifically people south of the U.S. border, mo- the majority are detribalized. So they were like, as long as you know where you come from, who you are, like, that's all that matters. And I was like, but I don't know who I am. But I just remember like my mom always telling me like growing up, like your bio dad is native. And I just remember mm-hmm. like, I didn't grow up with my biological dad. So I was just like, well, how am I supposed to find him then? Mm-hmm. And then like ugh, my mom and my grandpa always told me growing up like, oh yeah, your grandmother is um, native. But they would never tell me like what type of native she was, like what type of indigenous people she was. And I remember like asking when I was older, like, hey, what type of indigenous, you know, peoples did she come from? And my mom was not able to tell me. Um, I'm actually going in October to go see my grandpa for his 90th birthday. And I'm going to tear that house up for documents. (laughs) And uh, you mentioned that like you were having trouble finding um, information. One thing that really helped me is family search. It's free. I don't know if you've tried it or heard of it. I don't know. I do know that I, I, I saved some sort of search thing, but I don't, I don't remember, but family search. Oh, I'll, I'll family search. Out. Yeah. I'll like it with out. it, I was able to find like the past 10 generations of people, oh, wow. of names, um, a lot of documents and they're all documents I don't have access to, like in my personal life, they're documents from like the churches, from when they got married, from when they're baptized. I've even found pictures of some of my ancestors. Oh. So it's a really important, um, powerful tool. I know people get kind of freaked out because the site is run by a church and people are like, I don't want to get involved with that. But like, (laughs) that's why they have it because they're church records. Yeah. Cause they, um, they were the ones taking the censuses. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like, if you go back far enough, you'll see when like our ancestors are baptized and it'll list if they were, they would list them as Indio, India, Mestiza, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so like, I have found those documents of my ancestors and, oh, um, not all of them, but I've found a lot 
And like when I go in October, I'm planning on going to like some of the churches and civil registration. Um, Cause I think you have to go to both. That's the advice that was given to me. They're like, go to both of these locations, give them the name, the date of birth, and then they can find who your people are because they have to, t- they have to write down wow. what you transitioned from Budapecha, right. Mexica to Catholic mm-hmm. or and stuff like that. So it's a really important tool. Okay. Thank you so much. I did not know. This is why we connect. This is why we connect with people. <laughs> In the family search thing that I found, mm-hmm. my great great grandmother on my mom's side, I actually found a document of one of them where they were born in the Philippines. And it was around the time that and I'm like, what, how, why the fuck were you born in the Philippines and we're in Mexico? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And like, you're able to like piece together the history because you're like, okay, well, what was going on? And it turns out that like the revolution was going on in the Philippines at that time. When um, like this, uh-huh. yeah. yep. I've learned a lot about the history just mm-hmm. during this process too. Mm-hmm. Like even in growing up, I was always in like advanced classes and I'm like, these bitches taught me nothing. I'm a dumb <laughs> bitch. And I was in advanced classes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I have definitely dealt with a lot of the imposter syndrome. I think being brown makes it easier for people to process like, oh, she's native. Mm-hmm. But I've had a lot of people who have not been very supportive of my journey. Like I'll tell them about it and they're like, oh, that's cool. Good for you. And like, that's it. But like, mm-hmm. you always want more support than that. You want to be like, that's awesome. Like, I'm so happy. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I just wasn't getting the support I needed. And I think the only people who told me to my face or not to my face, the only people who have told me like, you can't reconnect are people on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bitch, I don't care. You don't even have a profile pic. Um, <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> Yeah, like you're trolling my page and like, obviously some person I've never met before in my life who doesn't even have a picture or videos to kind of like vet who they are. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to listen to that person Mm -hmm. over people, a chief who lives in my city who is telling me you can do this. Like the Mm -hmm. chief of a tribe is telling me you got this. Their opinion is way more valuable to me than some random person on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've come across a lot of like indigenous people that are supportive in person that have been very affirming to like my journey as well. So I, yeah, I I think it's literally just the online trolls that Mm -hmm. are just trying to find some sort of reason to tell you not, even though like your journey on reconnecting has nothing to do with them, nor will it affect them in any way possible. Like when TikTok shut down, shuts down like Vine, people are not going (laughs) to care anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason a lot of people freak out when they hear about stuff like this is because when you've grown up and you're so ingrained in your culture and somebody's like, everything you've ever known is not true. You're like, what the fuck? Um, you go into like an identity crisis. And so like, I think like with my own family, like when I've told them stuff and they're like, oh, that's crazy. And then they just kind of go back onto their own little world. <laughs> like my parents and my older sister are still Catholic. The rest of us are not. And so, yeah, like when I tell them like, oh, did you know like Catholicism, like the Virgin Mary is actually based on an indigenous energy mm-hmm. and like all these other things. And they're like, that's crazy. Anyway, who wants pozole? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's why people freak out and they're just like, you can't do this. That's not who you are. You're Mexican. And I'm like, OK, anyway, I'm going to go. Yeah, I've told <laughs> when I've tried to stir the pop with pot with my family, I've told my mom about that because I remember I took a class like back in the day and I remember I was shocked to find out that basically the Virgen de Guadalupe was kind of made up Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, when you go to like South America, every like culture has their own Virgen de Guadalupe. It's not just like there's one. It was groundbreaking to me. And I remember like the professora was like, you're Catholic, right? And she was like, maybe I shouldn't tell you this. And I was like, well, I don't really practice like Catholic, but like 
because I grew up Catholic, I guess, you know, if I'm trying to, it, people always ask, people always like, oh, yeah, I guess I grew up Catholic, so I guess I'm Catholic, but yeah, I remember thinking that was so groundbreaking that when, you know, um, the Spanish was colonizing, they're like, you know, we need these people to conform to Catholicism and all the stuff. So they presented, right? Like the Virgin Mary, because she's like white, this is what, you mm-hmm. need, what she needs to look. And they were pushing it on all the indigenous people there at that time, because they had their own gods that had their own uh, energies. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, did you know? And she's like, that's not true. And she's like, why do you think that, you know, an Indio se presentó, like came, like they chose, like they chose us, they chose us Mexicans. Um, the Virgin Mary chose us. And I'm like, okay, mom, well, I just want you to know that in South <laughs> America, there's, they're different. Okay. And mm-hmm. it was so crazy for me to find that out. I was like, I've been lied to my whole life. Yeah. What like, is this? Mex- <laughs> that's so true. Like, and it's crazy. Cause like my parents are from Mexico. So I thought like I would get a more authentic mm-hmm. history and like learning all this stuff I'm like oh my god they didn't know about it either mm-hmm. and like when I learned that like Mexico too like we didn't have gods we have energies like natural forces of the earth I'm just like that's crazy because I always thought we had gods and all these other things and just learning everything like I don't know even when you um Jay you had mentioned that you like just when you think you got it and you're on the right path like something <laughs> knocks you back mm-hmm. I literally had that experience like the other day I had that experience with an elder I went to Red Lake and there was a Anishinaabe elder who um, gave me some wisdom she laid some wisdom on me and I was like oh shit like mm-hmm. I thought I was I thought I was doing good and she didn't like <laughs> knock me down she like praised me for stuff but she was also like you're lost you don't know who your people are and I was like you're right I am lost <laughs> but yeah just like when you think you got it like you hear something and you're like man i forget that i have a lot of work to do well don't we all bitch (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i love everything you guys have been saying but i think it's about time we wrap it up wrap it up Mm -hmm. so let's wrap up with advice to those of us who are trying to decolonize or are curious about how to start the process. Let's give our own POVs of how we started and things that keep us going. Let's start small so we're respectful of the culture, Mm -hmm. right? Jay, how can we- We? Or you. Yeah. Or others. Mm -hmm. um, How can you start to decolonize your life? I give the advice that um neuron has said about doing like ancestor search and starting your own family tree while my parents are both alive i want to make sure that i get as much information from them as possible so i've been writing down people that they know in their family cousins brothers aunts uncles like everything so i can have a family tree of my whole entire family because i know once they're gone I'm going to lose a big chunk of information that they don't have. So if you're privileged enough to have your parents or one, try to get their opinions, try to ask them about their grandpa or their grandma, like try to get as deep as possible with them because they're, there won't be around for long. So it's always important to get that information from them as you can. And like Neuron said, there are free online programs that you can search, but there's also free online programs to make your own family tree. You don't have to just write it down. There are programs online to also do that, which I will be posting below along with um, Neuron's um, suggestion because yeah, your mom might have information that your dad doesn't. Mm-hmm. or vice versa or your aunts might be the ones who were like bitch i'm way ahead of you here's i wrote it down already and you're like oh <laughs> damn thank you so much and do not fall for 23 and me 
it's like not accurate. The 23andMe is bullshit because it's mostly Eurocentric. So it doesn't accurately represent people of color and it classifies people into groups with this, which is, I mean, problematic um, because it kind of lumps them all together to like you're East Asian, but there are a lot of different variations in East Asia that you can't just say you're East Asian, but the white people, you'll get your 2% Irish fucking uh, Norwegian fucking uh, Nazi. But for us, like if we're Mexican, we'll get 53% indigenous. What do you mean? Like just, just, just indigenous. That's it. Not, not, and not first nations, nothing. It's just like, it's this. And it's hard because, you know, humans are like 99 point, I think it's 99.98. But anyway, bitch, we're the same. And there is a very small, 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 less than a percentage difference between us that they just find similarities. It doesn't necessarily mean you come from there. Mm. And our sample sizes as POC isn't as big as white people. So we're really wasting our time with 23andMe. Um, I know that it's important if you want to find distant family, because if your DNA matches, of course, like that's why paternity tests work. But if you're not interested in that, I wouldn't use 23andMe to help you figure out your your roots Mm -hmm. your parents and your family are the ones that will help you identify that not a test Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys have heard but 23 me is a scam i I think you told me that yeah i think i learned it from you i think yeah i learned it from you i was like oh okay well i was never thinking about it but okay it's definitely a scam i have tried it just to try it because it was gifted to me Mm -hmm. and it's a scam for sure um i did have people comment on the video because i put uploaded I think two different videos or Mm -hmm. just one video I had some indigenous people you know of course tell me like it's a scam like everything you said like a few people did tell me a few people who reconnected to their culture and they've been a part of it for a while did tell me that they used ancestry not that it'll give you like very accurate information it's also a scam but what it did help with was um, it has a bigger database where you can find documents and then it has some family members who they were connected to who knew about the culture Mm-hmm. So like, even though the DNA test didn't specifically help them, it helped connect them to resources, but you can yeah. do that without the test. Yeah. Ancestry is pretty good, especially like if you find people that have already made a tree, it's mm-hmm. like easy to connect with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to people, Neuron, on how to start their decolonized life? Start with something that's personal and meaningful to you, because if you like are not at the point where you're ready to start your family tree and you're forcing it, it's going to just deter you from doing this. Like for me, starting with like anti-blackness and decolonizing that part and then like decolonizing my view on queerness kind of led me into this. So start with whatever piece that's like meaningful to you Mm -hmm. and addressing anti-blackness because no matter what part of a community you're a part of, it's a part of it, especially since we have like Afro-Indigenous family. Mm -hmm. And then what else? Of course, getting involved with your local community. If you're too shy to like go up to people and talk to people, just go to a local event where you don't have to talk to people and you can observe. Mm-hmm. You have to become really comfortable with observing and listening and trying to find the answers. And if you can't find the answers, you might like ask. And TikTok is a very helpful tool. A lot of people who give information will use hashtags. What I did was every time I see a hashtag that I don't know about, I add it to my favorites. <laughs> and so that type of information will come up more. Also being at peace with the idea that indigenous people don't owe you anything. So when you're reconnecting, you can't just go up and be like, give me all the information, give me this, give me that. Like that's not how it works. So you have to be comfortable with the community giving you information at their own pace. Love that. What have you learned, Leslie? <laughs> I've learned from a lot. This? Like what? Quickly. 
<laughs> I learned that I need to grow up. I do need to step up. <laughs> I mean, bitch. and mostly because you shame me a lot. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have learned, yeah, that I do probably have to find something very personal because I've always, uh, I always ask my mom and my dad questions about like my ancestors and my abuelitos and all of that. And I do get information from my mom that adds to the family tree about like my my grandma um that was very like indigenous and like their history and it's very shocking like to me because I'm like what like so why we look like this like what mm-hmm. <laughs> like what happened <laughs> and so um it's 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 yeah it's most likely finding something very personal um that I think would would empower me to comfortable and more willing to to pursue it and stuff and so yeah I've learned a lot and I'm very thankful that Nora was able to give me and you know all our listeners her like insight and stuff i think i'm going to start small and work work upwards i respect that thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a chief called chief mancias from the estocna nation in texas and he said something to me that really stuck with me um so he said that a lot of people that he meets say oh yeah my grandma was native or my grandma was indian and he's like so your grandma was native american what does that make you and i was just like oh shit Mm. um so that really stuck with me and mm-hmm. uh I forgot to add one thing to like reconnecting mm-hmm. if you're going to reconnect I think it's very important for you to learn whose land you're living on and how you can support those people and there's a website called um nativeland.ca I think mm-hmm. um oh, okay. but it tells you specifically whose land you're living on right now oh, wow. yeah that was my double feature for George Washington Um, But yeah, definitely uh, all those links will be below because, I mean, if you're going to try to connect with your ancestors, the least you can do is support those that the land that you're living on, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. especially since we're all benefiting from the colonization on being able to live anywhere that we want. The least you can do is support the people that land you literally helped kind of take, Mm -hmm. you know, in some way. And I think we all need to, like how you said, Leslie, you've accepted like your privilege. I think we all need to accept as well that. We mm-hmm. are foreigners coming into this yeah. land that yeah. is not ours and we're benefiting from from that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just like people, gentrification, like oh. just because we can come to move to California mm-hmm. from Kansas, like that doesn't make it okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're a colonizer. Can you believe it? So are you. <gasps> oh, my, oh my God. It's getting spicy up in here, girl. Okay. So, <laughs> so Naran, I've had a lot of fun. Um, I know that there's so much more we're going to talk, we can talk about, and I would love to have you on again because you are really cool. And I love having different voices on our podcast and we are unapologetically queer and love to feature people that add like this different type of lens to mm-hmm. Our queer culture. <laughs> oh, totally. You know, I learn all the time from people's different experiences. And I think it adds to mine as I'm, as I, me personally, me, myself, and I continue to navigate my, my own journey. Yeah. What Same. Journey? What journey? <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but did you have any fun, Neuron? Uh, do you have any final words or anything you want to say to us? That's nice. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to come back and be even more queer now that we ripped the band-aid off. Yes, girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am down. Thank you so much for having me. Um, be gay, be queer, be trans, be you, whoever. Words of inspiration, you know. Hallelujah. Your voice all matter. Yes, ma'am. Cool. And if you're ever in California, hit us up. We're in Texas for sometimes, sure. so we'll, we'll, we'll let you know when we're in the hood. <laughs> Wait, you're from Texas, right? That's what you said? I live in Texas. 
Yeah, I wasn't born here, but I was raised here long enough. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. We'll, we'll, be <laughs> yeah. there. we'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Bye.